0: Before I introduce the rabbi, I want to mention tonight she is dedicated to the Elias Neshama, Abat bat Devura, and Ariyei Elias Neshama, and the rabbi, he's here, i say almost half a year, but Baruch Hashem, uh, a psychologist, he has an office here in Yushalayim, as well as Lakewood, and in New York. He's uh, thousands, I mean thousands of people watch his videos every week, and he is internationally known to speak about current events and especially the Ramchal, the, uh, the thought process, and the method of learning. Uh, he learned mainly from the, uh, the method of the Ramchal, and he teaches it widely. <coughs> and Muslach of Moshe Feinstein. And without any further ado, Rabbi Katz.
1: Rock to the noise and a clum shocking boy.
0: It's
1: good to be back in your slime, I have to say. We are now in the nine days. And part of the problem that we have with the nine days is that it's very difficult to mourn something that you really don't know. You know, you can only mourn something that you are aware of that you know the value or the significance of what you lost but what happens if you don't really know the significance of what you lost? And it's very hard to mourn that because you don't realize what its loss is and so on. So that's why certain we have a difficulty in mourning and not only that, the further away you get from the original event Tisha B'Av, the harder it is to mourn. It's always like that, you know Um, I imagine in the first year or two or whatever, decade after the uh, destruction of the second temple even the first temple, which both occurred of course on Tisha B'Av I imagine the mourning was really tremendously uh, very severe, very intense but obviously we are what, we're almost 2000 years away from that period of time and as a result of that uh, the intensity of mourning diminishes, which is expected However, the period of the nine days is very, very significant. <clears throat> there certain ideas which I would like to uh, share with you, speak about, uh, maybe in order to heighten the effect of how we should feel. And it's really worth thinking about. Uh, you know, we fast on Tisha B'Av. Uh, you know, we, we, there's the other five, what's called Inuyim, the five different things that we do not do. Um, but really what Tisha B'av really needs is a tremendous amount of thinking or thought in order to really understand it. So I'd like to therefore introduce certain ideas uh, about Tisha B'av, but what I also want to do is something which I don't know if I've ever done before, I want to indicate also something about the consolation. consolation means you know how can we feel a little, uh, not good about it, but is there any way we can have some type of uh, hope that in some way this will end, you see? And so I'd like to introduce uh, some of the ideas, those ideas also. <coughs> Especially uh, what I've been saying for maybe really a couple of years already, in my current events lectures, which are on the internet, which I'm sure everybody knows and so on, you know, uh, is I try to introduce some type of hope among people that we're really at the end. You know, it's not as bleak as it used to look. You know, World War I, World War II, the Holocaust and so on. But there are different things happening today which of course uh, verify in a certain manner that we are really very close to the end. So as a result of that, uh, I do want to speak a little about the concept of Nechoma or Consolation. Even though that type of a she is really appropriate for Shabbos Nachmo. are you having something for Nachmo? No. So we'll double up, right? Okay. Uh, in any case, <clears throat> uh, so these, uh, so therefore, I want to uh, again speak about certain ideas. First idea, which I always say, which I've said in the past, which is really very important, because people, you know, feel that way. Why are we mourning in the first place? You know, uh, this happened. Not only did it happen, you know. Uh, almost 2,000 years ago. That's a long time for something to occur. But the real question is, what do you want from me? I didn't do anything, right? I didn't live at that time, unless you are familiar with your Gilgo. Maybe you did. But basically, I don't think most of us did. So why are we mourning in the first place? You know, usually when you mourn, there's something that you contributed in a certain way, not that you caused it, but you're part of that. We're not part of that tragedy, really. So the real question is, why do we mourn? You see, we didn't cause it. They caused it, as the Gemara says. Uh, sinas Chinam. The first temple was destroyed. The first place of was destroyed because of the three Averis chamurus, which of course is Gile incest, adultery, Shvikh uh, which is murder, and Avedizara, which is idolatry. That was the first place of And also maybe because uh, they didn't make Brachas for Torah, whatever that means. Uh, first. But certainly the second base of was destroyed because of uh, Sinat's chinam, Baseless or groundless hatred. Uh, So the question is that if I was not around then why am I in some way uh, commemorating that event? And the answer to that uh, really when you really think about it is that we really are guilty. We really are. Not because we caused the destruction of the temple but because we dis- we cause the inability of the temple to be uh, built again, that's right. So because of what we do, our sins, the Beis Hamikdash cannot be built at all. So therefore, we can certainly be held guilty for that. And we have, of course, the famous Gemara, the Yerushalmi, called Dor nivne Beis Hamikdash Any generation in which the Beis Hamikdash was not built. In its day, it's as if it was destroyed. What does that mean, really? What it means is something very interesting. It means that when Rosh when, of when comes about, all of a sudden, it's not like there's nothing that happens. There's a tremendous din Torah in Shemayim, there's a tremendous uh, heavenly court case in heaven. Should we build the base of again or not? Because there is always a force that says the Beis HaMikdash has to stand. It's not like the Rabbani says, well, it's destroyed and that's the, end of this, that's the end of the entire matter. No, there's a tremendous force, it's what's called the Tzad the side of holiness, that in certain ways demands or wants the Beis HaMikdash to be built. And therefore, well, if you want to build the Beis HaMikdash, let's re-examine the reason why it was destroyed. And of course, if the reason why it would destroy it is no longer extant, so we build it. There's a court case. It's important to remember. There's a tremendous force in Shemayim, in heaven, that wants the base Amikdash to be built. Of course, the origin or the greatest force is, the, is God. The Shem wants to come back to the Jewish people. In a certain sense, that's our greatest hope. If He would have abandoned us, then it is hopeless. But the Russian doesn't want this to continue. However, he himself has voluntarily submitted himself to call din or justice, you see. Of course, he could, he could bring it back in a nanosecond if he wants. But he has voluntarily, as I said, submitted himself to dinam, to justice. Because the world basically runs because of, through justice. And therefore, he has submitted himself to that. And therefore, he won't do that. You know he, w- he will not override his original intent in the creation itself. We have to earn the Beis HaMikdash to be built in the first place, certainly to continue and certainly to be rebuilt. That's the way it has to be without going into a lot of ideas that you uh, that are associated with this concept. Mm. So therefore there's a tremendous force that wants the Beis HaMikdash to be built. So there's a a great Din Torah, a heavenly tribunal in heaven, you see, that examines should it be built or not? And they examine it, and they take a look. Well, are the sins which destroyed the Beis Hamikdash initially are they still? Do they still exist? And the answer is yes. Sinas chinam is a killer in Klal Yisrael. You see, there are many reasons for sinas chinam. There's gaiva, arrogance. There's jealousy. You know, uh, there's intolerance. You don't like. What do you mean? You hold what I say? Who are you? You know, th- there's so much that goes on that is responsible, causes Sinas chinam, And they examine Sinas khinam. One of the things that they really examine, okay, what causes a lot of Sinas chinam is Lashon Hara and rachilus. Lashon Hara causes Sinas chinam. You know, when you walk over to a guy and you say to the guy, by the way, did you hear what somebody did? Tell that to a third person. That is Lashon Hara, you see? And if you say, do you know what he said about you? where the receiver is identical to the object of the action, that's rechilas. See, So there's a tremendous amount of Lashen Hora and Rechilas and so on, and that causes a tremendous amount of sinas Chinam. And as a result of that, God examines that, or actually it's the Bezant that examines that, and unfortunately, or tragically I should say, the Jewish people are found to be guilty of the very same sins that were committed 2,000 years ago. So, of course, with that kind of uh, outcome, what's the judgment going to be? It cannot be rebuilt. And in heaven, when something cannot happen, which would have been incredibly good, it is what's called tantamount, equal to, right? The fact that you now destroyed an existing building. Same thing. To prevent the resurrection or the building, rebuilding of a Beis Amidash is identical to destroying a standing Beis Amidash. Therefore, if it's not built by Tisha B'av, so what do we got? Let's say today's Sunday, you know, uh, oh, we, we're in Ov, and so on and so forth. We're going want another week. Yeah, actually, less than a week, and so on. If that base I make this is not built in a week, guess what? We cause the destruction. It's a very important concept because it ties us to Tisha B'av. We are not commemorating, you know, a historical event, we are mourning in, in a, a present day event that happened and therefore we need to mourn what we just did. Now that's something to think about because you know in those days they destroyed the base the Yushami. everybody can see it was being destroyed by the Romans. But today we don't see that because it's a heavenly case. It's a heavenly tribunal case. So of course we don't see it so we don't even think about it. But you have to be aware of what the Yishami says. If it's not built by Tisha we caused the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. It's a very important idea because I think a lot of people have problems relating to Tishabav because they said, What are we doing? Well, why, am I, why am I in, in, in a business involved in this when I didn't do it? In any case, the answer is, You did do it. I did it. You did it. We all did it. And that's why the Beis HaMikdash does not stand. Because fundamentally, there's an incredible amount of sinas chinam, lashin horror. And machid is going on on a daily basis. And uh, you can go into, I have a whole shira about what Lash Nahar does and so on and so forth. And uh, uh, clearly it's enormously prevalent and so on. That's why there's such an incredible disunity among the Jewish people. Anyway, so that's the first idea that I would like to say. Now the next question is this. <clears throat> okay, Tisha which is the in itself, What's the meaning of the Chorben, really? What's it really mean? And for that, I want to bring down a Gemara, which is a very fascinating Gemara. Uh, it's at the end of Masech Lamakis, And I'm going to say the Gemara. Okay. And then I'm going to present a lot of different, difficult questions and then I'm going to go over it again and answer all the questions. And what emerges is the, in many ways, the secret of what Tisha B'av is really all about. The gemara is at the end of Markas, and it goes like this. Shuv <clears throat> Pah once happened, Hoya Oyl in the group of four people, the great Tanoim, Ram Gamliel, Rabbi Yeshua, okay, Rabbi Lozben Azariah, and Rabbi Akiva, four of among, the, among the greatest Jewish people, of course in the last two three thousand years and they were walking okay and then it says they went to Jerusalem they went up to Jerusalem uh, now so they arrived at HaRtsoifim which is where the Hebrew University is today and that is I think one of the most distant points that you can actually see uh, the actual uh, today it's the mosque but you can see the entire what's called Maqam Middash and so on and all of a sudden they're standing there at the Haratzefim, okay, and what did they do? Call big dam. They rent their clothes because it's an availus. When you're looking at the Beis Hamikdash in its destructive state, then it's shiva, so you, you tear your garments. Then it says, "Kivenchu Higula Harabais. Then they went further to the harabais which is the actual Beis Hamikdash, the place where the Beis Hamikdash stood. Roshul sheyotzo. They, they saw a fox coming out of it. Now remember, this is the Kurdish Kedoshim. What is the Kodesh Kedoshim? It is the most sacred place in the entire universe. So sacred that when the Bezah stood and there was a Kurdish Kedoshim, angels could not go through that place. And if anybody went to that place in a time when he was not allowed to, and the only one who can go in there basically is Kohen Kodol on Yom Kippur. If he went in uh, not on Yom Kippur, he would immediately die, because he could not tolerate the Kedusha. So they're taking a look at the harabais, right, they see a fox coming out of the Kodesh Kedushim, <coughs> out of the Holy of Holies, could you believe this, an animal is coming out of the greatest, holiest place in the entire universe. In fact, what is probable is the entire, you know, heard of the Big Bang Theory, right? Where it started from something and just exploded, whatever, and now it's, uh, the universe is, as they say, what they say is 12.7 billion light years, and so on. Where was the point of the Big Bang? It was the, the uh, Kurdish Kadoshim. It's interesting, you know, and so on, you know, and obviously it expanded enormously very quickly and so on. But the Kurdish Kadoshim really is the gateway into the spiritual universe. In other words, if you could go into the Kurdish Kadoshim today and in some way locate what's called the zipper, and zip it down and open up the garment you would see Olam Asiya, the higher places of Olam Asiya, and so on that is really the entry into a whole different dimension and so on but in any case <coughs> they saw that so of course what was their response they started crying which is obviously because these people obviously among the greatest of the sages totally identify with the loss of the Hamikdash. for Rabbi Akiva and the Gemara continues, Musachik. he was smiling. Although Masachik could be laughing, but uh, I hope he wasn't laughing. He was smiling. Now obviously there's an the incredible difference between them and him. They're crying, and really crying, and he's smiling. So, um, so they said to him, so the first question is, well I might as well ask you the questions now. A fox came out of that. Why a fox? Nothing is by accident. You see, so what is the fox alluding to? It's a message from God, that of all the animals that can con- con- could have come out of it, it's a fox. What's the message here? And there is a message. You see, so that's the first question I would ask. Rabbi Akiva Masachik, Rabbi is laughing or smiling, right? So that's highly inappropriate behavior for the Beis Hamikdash, and this is a Kodesh Kodashim. So then the question, of course, is, what is he doing? So they obviously noted that he was smiling and they're crying, right? So Amraloi, so they said to him, But why are you smiling? I you mean know, there's such an incredible difference. So they actually asked him, What are you smiling about? Or maybe what are you laughing about and so on. I mean to them, you know, I mean Rebbe was among the greatest of the sages. So they knew of course there was an underlying reason, you know, so they asked him, Why are you uh, why why are you uh, smiling? she so said to them, Why are you guys crying?" That's a very interesting response, isn't it? You know, I know Jews are famous for answering questions with another question. You know, it's like the judge once asked a guy in court. You know, uh, there was a Besdin. There was a court case where a Jew was a defendant, and the def- and the Jew, when he was on the sta- a stand. So the the, 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 uh, prosecuting attorney would keep asking questions. And every time he answered, with a question. So finally the judge looks at him and says, Excuse me, is there any reason why you're always answering with a question? And the Jew, of course, looked at him and said, Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, So the first thing which is difficult to understand is, What are you crying for? Why are you asking him a question? Why don't you answer? You see. The second thing is, What do you mean, why are you crying? It's obvious why they're crying. You know, it's not, it's, the answer is obvious, they're looking at the Kurdish Kedoshim, destroyed, and a fox is coming out of it, and he's asking, them, why are you crying? Like, I mean, you really don't understand why they're crying? And the third thing, right, is, uh, why are you crying? <clears throat> Besides the fact that it's obvious why, like I said before, um, he should have really uh, answered them, uh, directly and so on, you know. But in any case, this is what he asked, which really is, of course, is a total mystery. So Amuloy, So they said to him, they answered him. Mokem Boy. There's a postic that says VeHazor and a point and a non coin, right? Hakorev Yumas. If a non-Kohen walks into the Beis Hamikdash, he dies, right? And now it's destroyed. Akshav and now Shulam Hochboy foxes are coming out of it we shouldn't cry like what question is that and besides that if rabbi akiva thought for whatever reason that you're not supposed you don't have to cry can you tell me why we're commemorating tisha why do we have tisha we might as well make a party and smile right so obviously that's not true so the question of course is what is rabbi akiva doing so he says to them I will tell you why I'm smiling and laughing. Okay? And he's going to reveal to them a very profound secret. It says a posik. God says, this is in the, word, the Novi saying, I'm going to take two witnesses that will testify, you see, to the destruction and the redemption. Who are these two witnesses? Uriah HaKoin and Zecharia ben Yeverech Yohu these two people, who are prophets, by the way, okay. I'm going to take both of these individuals as witnesses to the destruction and, the, and the, basically the destruction. So Rabbi Akiva asks, you're taking two witnesses, fine, why these two people? What does Uriah, the prophet, have to do with Zechariah? Why? Uriah is a novi who practiced prophecy in the first place of Mikdash. Zechariah is a navi who practiced or who's uh, existed in the second base of Mikdash. so why do we bring two witnesses who are at least a couple hundred years apart what's the connection Elo Rabbi Akiva says Tola kosov." the Torah says that the Nevu of Zechariah right, that the prophecy of Zechariah that prophesied about the redemption is contingent or dependent on Nevuah of Uya, on the prophecy of Uya. Who prophesied the destruction? One prophecy, the fulfillment is is, de- is dependent on the prophecy of redemption. By Uriah it says, By you prophesied about the destruction, it says, Because of your sins is Zion plowed like a field. You see. And what that means, obviously, is that not only is it not inhabitable, you see. It won't even be, it will be plowed as if it was a field. It's not even a residence anymore, you see. And by Zechariah it says, a famous Yushlaim." There will yet come a time in this redemption, there will come a time when Jerusalem will have old people, Zechariah and Zechariah, on the streets of Jerusalem. An incredible prophecy. That means people will live over at least 150 years. That's how old that people live for a long time, for many reasons, you know, and so on. So Rabbi Akiva continues and says, actually, in Nevo, Uryah, until the prophecy of Uryah, that prophesied destruction, I was afraid maybe the Nevoah of Zechariah, that redemption, would not be fulfilled. Now that I see that the prophecy of Urya is fulfilled, because I'm looking at the destruction of the Temple, so clearly, t- t- totally, the Nevuah of Zechariah, that prophecy of redemption, will surely come to pass. So the Gemara says something very interesting. Belosh In this expression, Om these three people said to him, Akiva necham Akiva, you have consoled us. Akiva necham Akiva, you have consoled us. Why the double language? You see. Now what's interesting about this Gemara is that it also conforms to the Pasuk and the Torah. This, uh, uh, the uh, the, the, uh, Haftor of uh, Shabbos Nachmu is Nachmu Nachmu Ami. Where God says, uh, be comforted, be comforted, my people. He says it twice. Why the double expression of Nechomo? So that seems to have something to do with Akiva Nechamtonu, Akiva Nechamtonu. You see, it's interesting. There's clearly some kind of connection. The question is, what kind of discussion is this? Why is he smiling? Why is he answering my question? There's no Tisha Like, what's going on here? And what is that which Rabbi Akiva is really saying? Well, if you go back to the beginning of the story, again, it says they went to Jerusalem, they went to HaTzofim, and then Korubi Dehem, they rent their garments. Notice, it doesn't say that those three rent their garments and not Rabbi Akiva. They all rent their garments, which shows that, of course, Rabbi Akiva mourns. You see, clearly indicates that he also rent his garments. So, there, so therefore, obviously, then the mystery, of course, is why are you smiling? If you agree, of course, that you have to, uh, you know, uh, behave in the same manner, which is mourning, you see. So they were crying, which is obvious, and he's laughing. So they said to him, why are you laughing? So he said to them, why are you crying? what is he really saying it's not a question it's an answer he's saying why are you crying because you're mourning because you realize the destruction of the temple and the incredible loss do you not understand that that is the tikkun of the korban? the fact that you're crying and you recognize that it is an incredible loss that's what God wants you know it's like a father imagine a father has a son right and he gives his son everything. And the son does not appreciate it. He's, so he speaks disrespectfully to the father. He ignores his father's advice, whatever, right? So what's the father going to do to his kid? So what the father does is he throws his kid out. He says, you obviously don't understand the significance that I am to you. What's the Yeshua? What's the remedy? Get out! Let's see what you do on your own. You see, then he throws the son out. After a month or two, the kid realizes, what, what, what did I do? Am I crazy? My father was incredible to me. He provided me with all the needs. He protected me. He was great. And I just disrespected him. I got to go back and beg him to let me in. And that's exactly what the father wants to hear, doesn't he? Because he doesn't want to really throw his son out. He wants his son to come back. But he needs to teach his son a lesson. The significance, you see, of who he is and what he does for the child. Same with the Rebbe You obviously don't understand who I am and what I do for you. That really all the protection that you have, everything, all the bounty, everything is from me. But you don't appreciate it because you don't listen to me. On the contrary, you're worshipping idols, right? You hate each other. Like what is all this? There's only one way I have to teach you what the story is. I gotta throw you guys out of Israel. You see, I need to destroy the temple, leave the temple, right? where you won't see me anymore and just you're on your own and then I gotta throw you into the nations of the world let's see how you fare with those guys you see so then what do we realize as Jews how in the world did we give up God for this you see so it comes out that mourning the Beis Hamigdosh is the remedy is the tikkun itself that's what Rebecca was is saying why are you crying? you're crying because you realize the incredible destruction the loss of what you had right and therefore that is the tikkun and that's why I'm smiling because I see you guys are bringing the tikkun I see you're doing exactly what God wants and therefore definitely God will bring us back see now it makes sense so Rabbi Akiva is looking at the other end and these the tanoim are looking at the front end you know the destruction itself but Rabbi Akiva was looking beyond that he said wait a minute that means that the Jews really do mourn and they appreciate the loss. And the mourning indicates that they really want to come back to their father. Therefore, if the tikkun is happening, it's going to happen. So therefore, I'm smiling. You see, it's called, it's called an anticipatory smile or an expecting uh, reward and so on. But they didn't get it. They didn't understand what Rabbi Akiva was saying. They thought it was a question, really it was an answer. So So they said to him, what do you mean why we're crying? A place that it says that a non coin walk into, right? And uh, he, he can die? We shouldn't mourn? So then remember the keep understood that they're not getting what I'm saying. I'm looking at the fact that you guys are doing the tikkum. You're looking at the fact of mourning the Besamikdash. So I have to obviously be more explicit. Ah, so then he brings down the prophecy. You have Uriah describing the destruction of prophesying, the destruction of the Temple, you have Zechariah prophesying the redemption. So he says like this Rabbi Akiva, until the prophecy of uh, Uriah happened, the destruction, I wasn't sure that there would be a redemption. But now that it did, there will be a redemption. What Rabbi Akiva is saying, he's saying this, is that the destruction of the Temple, right, is the remedy you need to go through a destruction to understand what you've lost. So until there was a destruction, there's no remedy, you see. Then it's all is a bunch of sins. But now that I see that the, the prophecy of, of Uriah it w- will be destroyed, and that came true, that there was a destruction, and therefore the remedy is, can be happen, So therefore the prophecy that there will be redemption definitely will happen because there is a remedy and it happened, you see. So what Rabbi Akiva is saying is that we have to understand when we look at Hurban, we're really looking at remedy. That's really what it is. It's an unfortunate remedy, that's true. But really it is the Tikkun that will save us. If the base Amikdash was not destroyed, we could never get back to God again. You see, and we could never get the base HaMikdash, because it is only the base HaMikdash, when that is destroyed, that we will realize what we are missing, and what, what it means to be godless without the Rabbana Shlom. It's a very profound concept that Rabbi Akiva is saying. What does that mean? So Rabbi Akiva is saying two things. The first thing he's saying is that, hey, it was destroyed, you guys are doing the remedy because you're crying. Which means that he recognized the Jewish people do that remedy, right? So what does that mean? That there will be redemption, which means that the suffering will end. It's called Gamze There will be an end to the suffering. But the second thing is we realize something greater. Because a guy can say, you know, imagine guy gets in, a guy gets thrown in prison, right? And he's there for 20 years. And all of a sudden he gets out because of whatever diplomatic pressure and so on, right? But he mourns the 20 years of loss, 20 years down the drain, for what, you see? So even if he has a nechama, which is a comfort, a consolation, right? That I'm getting, that it will end, there's no consolation for the time of suffering. So that's what Rabbi Akiva said. You should know, the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash is the cure, without that you could never have been redeemed. So that's what Rabbi Akiva is saying, you should know that if it wasn't for the chubmah, the bias bias and then Kline's world could never have been redeemed so that is your cure without that there is no cure you see and that's the second Nechama where we say thank God we suffered you know in many ways it's like a surgeon imagine a guy he's diagnosed with whatever bad stuff right you see so the surgeon says, listen, I gotta operate, right? Now, is the guy gonna say, operate? What, are you crazy? Why am I going through an operation? But the answer is, what do you mean? Thank God he can operate and cure you. So, you know, it's unfortunate that you have to have an operation. Right? But the operation, you know, in that sense, but the operation is a sense of joy. Thank God there's a remedy. There's a surgery. That's what Rabbi Akiva was saying. He consoles the Chachamim Two ways. One, it will end, and that's the prophecy of Zechariah. But not only that, the the real nechoma is that you had to have the base of make this destroyed, or the redemption could never have happened. So therefore, we don't feel as bad because we know, hey, the suffering wasn't what's called in Yiddish umzist. The suffering wasn't for nothing. It was the remedy. So unfortunately, we had to do it. But thank God, God gave us a remedy to get out of this pickle. You see. That's why it's a double Lashem. Nicham tonu Akiva, Nicham tonu. And they answered twice. You have consoled the Rabbi Akiva that it will end. Because you, again you made us conscious of that. Of course they knew it would end. But you brought it again to our consciousness. But what's so beautiful is that our Bechiyah is the remedy. And if we didn't cry, then we, never, we would never stop crying. You see, that was the remedy for the redemption. And that's the second expression of Nichat You have consoled us once by it's going to be over. And you have consoled us the second time. Is that the actual, uh, the, uh, the suffering itself, the destruction of this Samigash, is the very reason why we can have the redemption. Very important concept, you know. So even though we realize the tragedies that the Dei is destroyed, but we don't understand, without that destruction, we would be finished. Because we'd have no remedy to what the Jews did. You see. And that's a critical concept. And that's why we understand several ideas. That's why God says, Nachmu, Nachmu, Ami. Be consoled, be consoled. God is telling us two incredible things. One is that there will be a Geula, there will be a redemption. So all this sorrows will end. But the second concept is, I want to tell you, the Shem says, that the reason why you had to go through this isn't because it was capricious because that was the remedy that you had to go through and therefore you could be redeemed and that is a tremendous nechoma so we don't feel as bad by the fact that we have gone through such suffering you see, it's a very important concept and that's why it also says famous Chazal columnist Abel Ayushalayim, anybody who mourns Jerusalem he merits and he sees bin, the, the binyana what's his zoicha? it should just say anybody who mourns right will see the building of the Beis HaMikdash what's his zoicha? he merits because if he mourns then he has done the remedy and if he has done the remedy he merits to see the redemption beautiful it's exactly what it means In other words, unfortunately suffering is the remedy you see and that's why there's a beautiful Medrash where it says that in the end of time, Knesset Yisrael, and this is the Messianic era, Knesset Yisrael, the Jewish people, right, will come over to the God, with Hashem, and say, they cannot be consoled. So what the Rosh will do is very interesting. He's going to do this He's going to send them Moshe Abenu. Medrash says this Go console my people. He goes, and whatever he says, they're not consoled. Arun Shmuelah Navi, Yishayah, Yimeo it's like everybody's a who's who and they will not be consoled finally the Rav says you know I will console them and it says that the Rav goes and consoles Klai Yisrael and they are consoled, the question is why what do, I mean the Rav obviously has infinite intelligence, but what did he say that none of the Naviim could say, and the answer is this because all of them <coughs> basically said it's over you know, thank God it's over, the Bhansham's Rahmanus that it was over. But they can never say why it happened. Only God can say, I will tell you exactly what the remedy was. You need to be a doctor for that. Exactly how will this cure, you see. And only the Bhansham can do that. That's why the Bhansham says, Nachmu Nachmu Ami, be consoled, it'll end. Be consoled, you had to go through it. And you can explain every single day of why every single person had to absorb and go through tremendous suffering. Yehmel you your God, because no man can console the Jews. Only God can, because only God is privy to that information of exactly how the surgery worked. Very important concept, and that's the beauty of that medrash, and why there's a double lashon and so on. Now you understand a very interesting idea that it says the Mashiach Ben David will be born on Tishah you know? Now if you're born on Tishbub, it doesn't mean you will be the Mashiach. You know, and so on. But if you are the Mashiach, it says that you're born on Tishbub. But I want to tell you something. Not really. What does it mean that the Mashiach is born on Tishabov? It means that because of Tishabov, we give birth to the redemption. Because that's the surgery. You see, it doesn't mean the man is actually born on Tishabov, although you never know. You know. Part of the reason why Shapteitzvi was able to fool everybody because he was born on Tishav. I don't know if you people, if you know that, but he was actually born on Tishav. But it doesn't really mean to be born on Tishav. It means that since you went through Tishav, you gave birth to the Mashiach. That's what it really means, you see. And as a result of that, this we see is what the Gemara is. So Rabbi Akiva is really telling us a profound concept that if it's not for Tishav we cannot be redeemed that's what he's telling us and that's why he said why are you crying that's the remedy and of course they didn't understand so he had to then go obviously and explain it and so on the question is how is that the remedy really okay that's the gemara that's what the gemara says that it's a remedy but how is it really a remedy well for that we have to look really at another gemara and this gemara is in brachas it's the third (coughs) <coughs> and over there it says uh, uh, incredible uh, Agadita it says there, and it repeats it twice, but anyway it says there that we the brisa. what does it say? that God roars like a lion three times a day, it says that the night has three watches which means three different periods of time and different things Happened with angels and kabbalistically and without getting into that okay and at the end of each watch God roars like a lion you see he roars like a lion and what does he say? There's a baisa. what does he say? he says bonum. woe is to the children Sheba Avon him because of their sins right I have destroyed my bias my temple and I have burnt my sanctuary and I have exiled my people amongst the nations of the world that's what it says and that is repeated right after that where it says Rabbi Yossi went into a churva into a, a desolate place and people say it was actually also the Markham Megdash and he met Eliyahu Eliyahu was outside waiting for him I mean, imagine who these people had in contact with Eliyahu you know so there was a discussion and Eliyahu Novi asked him Rabbi Yossi, the great Rabbi Yossi, he asked him, um, did you hear anything while you're there, you see? So Rabbi Yossi said, yes I did, I heard a bus coil. A bus call is a form of communications of the Rabbana Shlom, where all of a sudden there's a divine voice. Now the only ones who can hear this are tzaddikim. You have to be incredibly righteous to hear this. If however you feel that you do hear this, and you immediately have to go for a psychiatric consultation, because <laughs> that's basically what it means. However, if you are righteous then it's probably a basco And what is a basko? A bascall is a communique that is given out by heaven. It's an unusual kind of communique. And <clears throat> the basko here, so, so this, Rabbi Yossi said, I heard a basko. What did it say? The same thing. It said, woe is to the children. God says this. And he's uh, that woe is to my children that I have burnt, destroyed my house, I have burnt my sanctuary, and I have exiled them among the nations of the world. This is what he uh, says. So Eliyoha Novi says, You should know one thing. You heard it now once because you were there, but three times a day God says this. What does that mean? That the Bershom says that, you know? So we think, you know, we have the opinion, you know, where? You know, well, It's 2,000 years. You know, God has forgotten about us. Forget about it. He has forgotten us. He has abandoned us. It's over with. From here, you see, not only has the Boshom not forgotten us, but three times every night, imagine for 2,000 years, the Boshom is screaming like a lion, right? Saying, it's terrible. What I had to do because of them. Terrible. You see, and this is God. This isn't a malach, you know, or, or some uh, representation, some representative and so on. It's the Bershom Himself. Now, why does a lion roar? A lion roars when it's agitated, usually, you know. It's agitated and it starts roaring, right? And when a lion roars, you get out of the way, obviously, because it's agitated, right? And it's going to do something, and you don't want to be around. When it does something, <clears throat> that means God is agitated. That's what it means. Kabayochal. I mean, Rosh Hashem is an infinite being. He doesn't get agitated, obviously. But in human expression, <clears throat> he's agitated. Why? Because he can't believe what he had to do. You see? The Jews, they should have kept the mitzvahs and, and, and tshuva. Instead, what did they do? They sinned with all kinds of sin, as and and whatever other sins, and they had to throw them out. He had to destroy his temple. So the Bible says they forced me to do it. So we're looking at a being that is the greatest being of all who is agitated three times a day that he and his people, his children, are not together. <clears throat> That's an incredible message of hope even though it led to serious consequences. But what a message that the supreme being of the universe is agitated not, we're not in his house. Think about that. You know? So he hasn't forgotten us at all, you see. Now, but he says three things. The says three things. One, I burnt my house. I, I, I destroyed my house. What is that? I destroyed my house and therefore I left. It's called Siluk shina. The first thing which is terrible is I left the house. I let them alone which means I abandoned Klang Yisrael. The Beis HaMikdash is no more and therefore there's no residence for me. The second thing the Rebosh says is I burnt my Heichol. What does that mean? Is I actually physically destroyed the Beis HaMikdash. Not only has my divine presence, the shechinah left, but I have physically destroyed the Beis HaMikdash. So what does that mean really, as we will see? But that's the second thing. And the third thing is I sent them out amongst the Goyim into the golas. And with the Goyim is all kinds of terrible things. Forget about, you know, that I'm not even around. <clears throat> the Goyim persecute them, right? They, they're it over them. They, they block them from doing spirituality, which we see going on today in England and even in, in New York City, New York City, and so on. They block them from doing ruchnias, you see. Uh, and not only that, <clears throat> they block them and so on. They persecute them. And in the end, they kill them, you see, which is the holocaust, the pogroms, the inquisitions, and, and, and the expulsions and so on, you know. What does that really all mean? So those are the three expressions that God uses. One, that He left. Two, right? That there is no Hamikdash; And number three, is that He threw them out of the house at Eretz Israel, and they have to go to the Umas In many ways, those are the three things where we have golas. There are three things that go into Golos. And I will explain what Golos is. There are three things. The Divine Presence goes into Golos. The Shechina, And you have to understand what that means. The Divine Presence itself goes into Golos. Then the Torah goes into Golos. That's right. The Torah itself goes into Golos. And the third thing is the Jewish people. There is a fourth thing called Eretz Yisrael. But right now we'll focus on these three. Uh, there are three things that go into exile when exile is decreed. There's a divine presence, the Shekhinah, Terah itself, and then we have the Jewish people. Okay. This is what the this is who goes into Golis. Uh, so the first question is why? And the answer is because mystically they are, they are an identicality. An identicality means that they are equal to each other. Uh, in other words, they are just different manifestations of the same thing, which is a very important. Kabbalistic concept and say, what's a good example? Water. Water has three forms. It's ice, and then it could be water, and then it could be steam. Uh, but guess what? It's all H2O, same molecule. Just, it, 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 but just that water has three different states of existence, and so on. You know, we don't realize it, but there are three different things that are really identical, but they have different forms. One is the divine presence itself. The Shekhinah itself is one form. The second form is 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 the Torah. The Torah really is another form of God in a certain sense. And the third form is the Jewish people, the Neshama. We are really the flip side of the Shekhinah. In fact, if you really want to think about that, there's a coin. A coin has right side and left side. It's called heads and tails, right? But they're both part of the coin. Right? It's just that one side looks different than the other side, right? Two different manifestations. What is the real truth? The truth is that the Shekhinah is the right side, and Klai Israel is the left side. That's really what it is. And what the Boshim did is he split the coin, with the right side where the Shekhinah and the Jewish people called Knesset Israel, where they split. They split. But really, before the split they are really an identical form, you see. Now, the Torah is the manifestation of God. In Kabbalah, the Torah is the totality of all the combinations of the spheres. The Torah is actually that type of form. In fact, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to give a share here, the greatness of Torah, where you can understand what the Torah really is. In any case, but uh, the Torah is really the manifestation of the totality of all the spheres, which are the divine forces that God did and the Torah is nothing more than a basic description of that but in any case, so you have God, you have his acts which are the Spheres, and you have the repercussions of his acts of the Spheres, which is the the Neshem of the Jewish people. It's really an identicality but we don't realize that, you see. Uh, so what the Bar-Shali, so therefore when God decrees exile, he decrees exile all three go into exile. He goes into exile Uh, The Torah goes into exile, you see, and the Jewish people go into exile. Therefore, all three go into exile. What does that mean that all three go into exile? Or what is the manifestation of the exile? Well, the first thing to understand is, what does it mean that God goes into exile? How can a being that's omnipotent, you see, omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, how how can God go into exile? What does that even mean? Where's He going to go? You see. But what it means is the following. And this is a very important idea, which I have mentioned uh, quite a while ago. Uh, what it means is the following. <coughs> this is a very important concept to understand or to know in terms of the uh, Tisha <coughs> In the beginning of time, there was Odom, Horishin, and Chavo. They were the first man and woman. You see. Now Odom Zerishan's job as well as Chavab or whatever, Odom's job was to ignore the advice of the snake. And the snake was what? Was a manifestation of the Satan. It's the mouthpiece of the Sutton. Trying to convince Odom to sin. Okay. He finally did. So God approached Odom and said, wait a minute, your job was really to ignore the advice of the Satan. To ignore the advice of the Nochash, the uh, primordial snake, right? And to ignore that advice, and that would have been the tikkun. That would have been a res- the rectification, and I would have returned to the physical universe. But you didn't do that. So you have a new job now. Your job now is not to ignore the advice of the satan, your job now is to kill the satan. Yes. You must destroy evil. It's not enough to ignore evil, you, n- you need to eliminate, <coughs> to destroy evil, to obliterate it. The question is how? How can you obliterate evil? You do the power of Ramalach. And what the Ba'ashim did was very interesting. Everything needs to be connected to God. And God sends forth through the spheres a tremendous Kiddusha, holiness. It's a power that creates and maintains the existence of that being. Everybody's connected to God. It's like there's a cable that connects you to God. And that cable does what? Through that cable comes a certain divine energy or force. You see, and we exist because of that. Uh, if somebody were to walk over and cut that cable, you would instantly annihilate. Obviously, because you don't have the force in which you exist. The Kedusha, what's called the shefa. <coughs> in any case, what Dubansham did, is he goes over to the who who is also connected to God via cable. Right? Everybody has to. Of course, <coughs> so you don't exist. And he cuts the cable, you see. He cuts the cable, and before the Sutton is about to vanish... Because that's what happened. He connects the cable to Adam Harishim. Now, there's only enough force coming down where only one side can exist, you see. And therefore, what's the relationship that we have to the Satan? It's called combat. We both are vying for the same Divine Energy. Therefore, if Adam HaRishman and the Jews have replaced Adam HaRishman, if they do the mitzvahs, you see, they do chuva, whatever, then the force goes to them. Not only do they survive, but they flourish and prosper. They become tremendously spiritual. You see, what happens to the other side? If the Jews are taking it all, then the Sutton gets weak. And ultimately, he dies. Why? Because he's not getting that divine energy. That's the lifeblood of the Sutton. What happens if the Jews sins? Then the Jews begin to weaken, you see. And the Sutton grows strong. In fact, the Sutton is the only angel that can grow. In terms, of, in terms of his previous stature. No angel can change their position. Only the Malach, the Satan. The Satan himself. Therefore, it's combat. So it's a war between the Satan and the Jews. And that determines history. You see. So therefore, what happened in, in that sense? So uh, what God does when he voluntarily, when he, when he goes into Gullus, is he goes over to the Satan and says, listen, the Jews don't want me. And therefore, you are being yuine, you are taken from the divine energy. So therefore, I will allow you to take from the divine energy. Measure for measure, this is justice. But as a result of that, what happens is that the Jews, is that the agents of the sudden grow strong and they begin to destroy the Jews. The whole concept, and and God allows that because that's justice. You say, you don't want me, he will have me, but then he will use it as a force against us. You see. And of course, for us, that is terrible. What is important to know is that there's no such thing as that the Jews don't bring down the force. No. It either goes to us or it goes to the satin. It's one or the other. And history is determined by where the yinikah, the Sutton is yinikah, where does that nourishment go? You see. So the problem is that when God steps back, that's called the goles of the shechina. When the B'Rishim says, listen, you could take from that force because it is yours judicially through justice and then the Jews will suffer obviously terribly that's the Golos of the Shekhinah and that's called in Hashkafer Shekhin to the Divine Presence is in <coughs> is in Golos that's what it means that the Shekhinah goes in Golos <coughs> it's where the Rabbana allows <coughs> the Shekhinah <coughs> or he allows the Sutton to take from that force and cause incredible amount of problems for the Jews that's basically what it is <coughs> so the Shekhinah goes and goes the second thing that goes and goes is the Torah because since the Torah is the energy of the force itself you see so that obviously is in it's more in the hands of the Satan than of course it is in the hands of Klein Israel so therefore Torah changes. What does that mean? All of a sudden it's very difficult to understand Torah. That is the reason why, you know, you learn Gemara, Gemara looks like it's all over the place. Disorganized. The concept of a disorganized Torah is the concept where the Satan takes from the power of the Torah and uses it himself. And therefore it is very difficult for the Jew to access the Torah itself. There are other manifestations, but basically, that's a, that's a critical manifestation. What's well, extremely difficult to learn Torah, just ask anybody who ever learned Torah, Gemara, whatever, how difficult it is to come out and really understand, and so on. But in any case, and then of course the Jewish people go to Golis. Uh, their Golis is what? Is in stages, right? First, they are in Israel, and the Romans take them over, right? That's the first. The second thing is they even lose their... Uh, land and they go into other countries, but the other countries just dominate them, right? And then after the domination, after a while, they begin to what? Persecute them. And after a while, they begin to kill them and so on. So it's a, st- it's a stage type of thing. But the essential idea is Goyim have power or dominion over the Jewish people, you see. And that is therefore the concept of all three going into Golas. <coughs> But what is really gollus when you think about that? And this is the interesting thing about that. What gollus is, is that you cannot be you. It's really what it is. When we say we're in exile, exile from what? It's not that we are not in our right place. No, it's not a location. It's me. I can't be who I can be. I am completely frustrated. I, in other words, I cannot be and, and actualize my potential. That's really what Golos is. It is an inability of an individual to be what he c- is capable of being based on who he is. That's what Golos really is, you see. And you see that by the Shekhinah. The Shekhinah, the Divine Presence, cannot be what it is. And God wants to completely reveal Himself and be close to the Jews. That's to therefore God, so to speak, cannot be His potential. If you want to look at it that way. The Torah cannot be its potential, right? Because the Torah is infinite. It is, there's so much to Torah that when we would realize what it is, it'd just be mind-boggling what it is. And that will be revealed in the Messianic era of the totality or the incredible amount of what Torah really is. So it cannot be, it cannot express or reveal what it really is. That's why we need the Mashiach, which is right? Kemolo day for the nations the world will be filled with the knowledge of God that's the Torah out of the Golas that's really what it is and of course the Jewish people when they leave the Golas doesn't mean they come from America or some other country or even in Israel we're in Golas right? don't kid yourself we are in Israel there's so much opposition to spirituality in Israel tragically and so on right? we're all in Golas you see but when the Jews are back, that means all the forces, right, that would keep the Jews from being what they could be, their incredible potential, that's gone. And all of a sudden, the Jew grows. He grows exponentially into something that you would not even recognize. You would not recognize yourself in terms of who you really are. But Golas stops that, you see. So, therefore, as a result of the Golas, what happens? One. We cannot connect to God, because He's gone, in that sense. When it says, And I will surely hide my face from people, that means we cannot connect to Him. Uh, There's no prophecy, there's no divine inspiration, right? What do we have today? It's very difficult, you see. It's very difficult to connect to God. We really have to labor even to think about Him during the day. How many times a whole day goes by, did you think of God today? No. Most Jews, unfortunately, don't think of God at any time during the day, maybe for weeks, or months, or years, right? So, connect to what? You're not even, you're not even conscious of a divine being, you see. So therefore, we, the first gollus, where we cannot be what we could be, right, is that we, are not, we cannot connect to God as a divine being. The second thing is we can't even elevate ourselves. We can't, we, we try, we do this, we daven this, we do that, and then all of a sudden, you know, we try this, it doesn't work, we try that, doesn't work. You want you call up a chavrus of and he says, he can't make it today, he can't make it for the next four years. I mean, you know, there's always something wrong, you see? You know, we can't elevate ourselves. We, and it's a monumental task to move one inch in spirituality. You know, how many times you go through a yontaf, Pesach, Right? We walk out of the Yunter right? It's Yisrochag, right? You ask yourself, what happened? Other than eating so much matzah, and all the knedlach, right? And all the matzah brai, and the gefilte fish, and all that. Other than the fact that I was off for eight days, you know, hopefully, right? I was off for eight days, you know? <clears throat> and other than the fact that I davened, okay, you know, and in, in between the davening, I was schmoozing with my neighbor, you know, and uh, whatever, you know, uh, uh, where am I? Nowhere, see? And all we did, basically, when you leave a yontif, the only thing you could say, I accomplished is what? Is I gained 10 pounds. All right? But there's no movement towards spirituality. And really, when you think about it, every yontif you should walk away on a high of ruchnius. But that's not what happens to us. You know, we usually come out, uh, you know, to us, ruchnius is a vacation. You see, it's not a spiritual elevation. You know? And that explains why. You know, ever see these ads for Pesach? to go away to, to where, you know, to go away to Acapulco I think that's, you know, people don't even go to Acapulco anymore you know, now it's, you, go, you go to California, you go to Switzerland you know, you go, you know, uh, it's, it's incredible where these guys are dreaming up, you know, uh, but why? why? why is that happening? because what do we get from the whole Pesach? you know, I once spoke to somebody and they said for Pesach they go to Thailand. I said Thailand? Uh, excuse me you know, Thailand is one of the last places on earth that is terrible avodah zarah. What are you doing in Thailand? Well, why not? I mean, it's only Pesach, uh, right? <clears throat> and what else do you expect? That's why everybody's going away for Pesach. Not just because they don't want to do the work of Pesach, which really would have been a misiras nefesh foruchnis. But since it's a vacation, essentially, why not? Uh, you see. So we can't elevate ourselves. I mean, it's, if it wasn't so tragic, it would be funny. You see? Look, where have we come? What have happened to the Jewish people? You know, could you imagine in the old days? The days of the Beis HaMikdash? Everybody was Eul Regal. You had to be Eul Regal. It was a Mitzvah. Right? And you went to Eul Regal. Could you imagine millions of Jews in Jerusalem? Right? And they're all there for one purpose. To worship God. In the Beis HaMikdash. So they're all bringing their Korban Pesach which is a tremendous ruchnistic experience, right? And then they're talking to each other, mechazik each other, network with each other, going to shiurim, and so on. Who knows what it was like? You see? We don't even know. We don't even dream about what that was in the old days. And that's part of the churim, you see. So, essentially, we cannot elevate ourselves. It's a struggle every day to elevate oneself. And then the third thing, Forget about elevating ourselves. We are always diminishing. We are always falling. Think about that. How many times a day goes by, and all of a sudden, hey, you know, what happened to me today? I'm thinking about things I never thought about the day before. We diminish, you see. Now, one of the reasons why God wants us to diminish, because since we are sinning, right, it removes or diminishes the culpability that we have. Because we are less guilty if we sin, if we are less spiritual so therefore the Satan cannot prosecute us because we're less guilty because I don't know anything you see so that's the flip side of the fact that we diminish in spirituality but we do which is terrible you see this is our goalus. we cannot be who we are that's what Golas is forget about positions or countries or locations that's not Golas I don't care where you are you can live in Jerusalem you could live in the old city. You are in Galas. Because of all these ideas that I just said. This is Chorban. We don't even realize. We are so far away from devastation. We don't even realize that we are devastated. We just don't realize. We're out of contact, you see. You know, uh, in, in a certain way, it's like, the, you know, it's like the land of the blind. Where everybody's blind. They're all blind. They don't even know they're blind. Because everybody's blind. They don't know what sight is. We are so far from Ruknis, <clears throat> we don't even understand, we don't in, We are not conscious of the fact of how far we are removed. This in the end is the Khobin itself. And that's why we mourn. <clears throat> you see, we, it's not something we mourn over the physical destruction. You see, over the Beis HaMikdas. And it's not only we mourn because we, God is not amongst us, you see. And also that uh, the terror is so difficult to learn and have access and so on. And it's not only the fact that we are in exile in, in, where the Goyim have dominion over us. The problem is that we cannot express who we are. We cannot be who we could be. You know, the American army has an expression. You know, be all you can be. You know, what, what, that's a very interesting statement. It's, it's funny, how, how did they have that? You know, how did they realize that? You know what I'm saying? And, and they realized, you know, that uh, And what they were saying, what they really were saying is what? Come to the army and you, and you go out of Golas. Think about that. Because if you could be what you could be, that's the end of Golas. Uh, what an advertisement. Come to the army and you leave the exile. Of course, the mistake is that's exactly when you go into the exile. When you go into the army and so on, you know. <clears throat> but they understood <clears throat> the greatest blessing that a person can have is to be what he can be potentially what a... what a... what a... bracha that there's no ekuvm there is no obstacles there's no hindrances that I can actually be what I can be wow that will happen in the messianic era that's the beauty of it you know and not only that but once you could be what you could be which means a satan is dead he's killed in the time of Sheikh Ben David then every person can be what he can be but it won't just be it's going to take me eons to do that. No. The acceleration of what you can be ultimately is exponential. It is not arithmetic, 2 plus 2. It is not geometric, 2 times 2. It is exponential, 2 to the power of 2. That's what's going to happen, you see. And in that era it's beyond belief what we will experience. Because we are no in Goers. Because exactly, Golos means we finally can be what we can be a, and we have access to everything that is God finally is and I now have access to Him, you see <coughs> because He also is out of Golos you see, it's very important to focus on you know, we are in a terrible exile, all three of us God, His Torah and we, the Neshama, you see we are all in Golas and we go through it every single day. You see? It's a very important concept. Don't think because you had a great day Oh wow! No, 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 no. Wait till tomorrow. <laughs> you know? And somebody's gonna cook up something, there's something, I guarantee you. He's gonna cook up and say, oh you're smiling today. Let's wait till tomorrow and see what you do tomorrow. You see? Because that's the desire of Golas. And this is what we have to struggle, and we have to fight. Why? What do we have to do this for? Well, how is Golis a remedy? You know, it's a torture. It's a nightmare. Why? Because here's the deal. Right? You guys abandon me. You guys sin all the time, right? You gotta prove that you want me back. Remember I said? The father threw his son out, right? Does he you want me back? Fine. But you gotta come. You need to realize what you lost and you gotta want me back okay? Then if you want me back then I'll take you back. What is Golas really? Think about that. Golas is nothing more than a situation and I mean any form of Golas even in the old city. Golas is nothing more than a situation that forces you to be Mosin Efesh. That's what it is. Where God says you want me back? Let's see how much you're willing to struggle for this. That's what a Golas is. we can understand the logic of this this isn't because you know god says by the way i want to get even with you guys has nothing to do with that golus horban Besamigdash destruction like rabbi akiva said is a tikkun but what is the tikkun the tikkun is mesiras nefesh struggle ah you didn't make it today See what you do tomorrow you're going to give up walk away said i had enough of this no you're going to come back again and again and again and that shows you the love you have of god you see and based on that concept where you show the incredible messiah's nefesh then god says aha you guys have done it you guys really want me back i'm coming back to you that's the secret of the mechanism of gollus it forces us to struggle. <coughs> you see. <coughs> and now you can understand something which most people don't understand. Dafioimi. Why is there a Daphio today? Why didn't Chazal and the Gemara say, hey, let's learn a plot a day? you ever wonder? Okay, Rameh Shapiro actually before him was the Chortkova, who he thought about the hands of Dafioimi. Oh, there's a Dafioimi. Wow, it's great. There's hundreds of thousands of people. In fact, they're gonna make the see him on January first. Do you ask yourself, where did this come from? Is it that somebody thought about this? No. Nothing is by accident. The great thing is that the, Jews, the Jew who did think about it advertised that and it happened. But you know what the concept of death really is? It's colourless. What does that mean? Here's where it works. In the end of time, right, it gets worse the Golis gets, gets worse, you see, and it all forms. There's all kinds of internet problems, and there's pleasure problems, and there's immorality, you know what I'm saying? And there's a lot of craziness going on, especially with the politicians, and all. It, this is crazy what's going on in today's world, you know, it's like we're beset with everything that can stop us. We have it. See, what a muzzle, you see? So, things will get darker. There's a reason why things get darker, but let's assume it does. So here's what the Brahmachim says, wait a minute, there's a problem here, right? Because remember what Golos is. Golos is a mechanism that you must be and nefesh. That will tell me you really love me, right? You really want me. That's what Golos is. But, if it's going to get darker, so guess what? Jews will not know Torah, because that's part of the darkness, right? Cry Israel is going to be filled with Amaratzim. So then, if they're filled with Amoratsim, how are they going to be Moses Nefesh? You see, because they have to be Moses Nefesh. They have to learn Torah. But uh, if the decree is that there be Chushach, Hester, before the end of time, then how are Jews going to be Moses Nefesh? How are Jews, right, since they're Amaratzim, what are they going to do? So Bronson says, aha, that's me. Think about this. A guy gets up, right? He got to give up at 5 a.m., right? He walks in in a daze. He sits down and there's a Rav and there's another five people. Right? Ten people, right? What does he do? He takes, his eyes are falling down, right? Because he's, you know, he's 5, five a.m., right? So he takes two toothpicks and he puts them under his eyes. You see? And he actually lifts his eyes and he tapes the top of his eye to his brow so it won't close. That's a serious Think about that. You know, and it's not only that it's not a messiah's nefesh, then after the hour goes by, right, the guy gave, gave a she'er, and guess what? The only one who knows anything about the Gemara is the guy who gave the shear. You don't. What can you know in a gemara in a da, in a blot in an hour? In fact, Dafiyomi, right, you know what they'll be able to say on January 1st? I forgot the whole shas. <laughs> uh, now, don't get me wrong, I don't make them make a chizik of it, but you have to be honest, Dafiyomi is not education. This is not the way you learn in school. Imagine if you went to school, you want to be a medical doctor, and I said, well, you got to read a page a day. What do you mean a page a day? i got to know my stuff. You see? I uh, said, so then what is that feeling me? It's to make sure that Jews are by crook by crook. They're going to go through 2,711 pages. Took you seven and a half years. What a messiah, nefesh. So the Demersham solved this problem. That even in a generation which is darkness, and nobody knows anything because what can you know if you learn, you know, seven and a half years, you do a plot a day, what do you really remember? For the lucky ones, maybe they can spend a couple of hours on it, they know something, but the average guy doesn't really know. How can you? Gamal is a very difficult thing to know in five hours, let alone in 45 minutes. Alright, but what it does do, you have to be You Don't you see the design here? This is not an accident. Uh, That's what the Banisham did. What he did is he created things where you can exhibit Messias Nefesh, self-sacrifice, right? In a generation that is completely dark. Absent of ruchnius. You see, that's why. Uh, That is why if somebody walks into his farm store, you know, and he's not religious at all, right? And all of a sudden he walks in and he sees a book, a safer that talks about, you know, uh, belief in God, And he says to to himself, yeah, it's interesting. Maybe I should check it out. Right? He takes it out and buys it. That was tremendous messiah snefesh. And that is as valuable as anything a guy can do. You don't realize what that is. Because in a generation that is completely dark. And God's presence is concealed. And we cannot elevate. We diminish. And the goyim destroy us with anti-semitism, and then they block us. Like the insane people in New York that say, hey, we need education, you know. You need to have at least seven subjects or whatever you got what to have. Whatever happened to the Torah or what they do in England, uh, you know, and, and so on. And even over here, Monsieur Senefesh is the key to your redemption today in, a, in, a, in an atmosphere of darkness, you see. So when you think about it, that's the Chorban. We don't realize the gullus. We don't realize how far we are. It's not just because you go to a place, the Kaisal, and you're sitting there and there's no base there's Hamikdash, no, uh, uh, instead there's a mosque, and so on. That's true, you know? That's where God said I destroy, destroyed physically what has to happen, uh, you see? But that is not the real goal. The goal is that we are in prison. We are paralyzed. This is the problem. So therefore the remedy for that is self-sacrifice. Let's see how much you guys are going to desire to come back to me. Uh, that's why it says in the Gemara and Baruchas, when you are rewarded for a mitzvah what determines the amount of reward? And the answer is according to the tzad, pain is the reward. That's a very strange statement. I would say well according to the greatness of the mitzvah. Hey, I'm showing on Shabbos. Wow, you know. Or well, I would say maybe not only the greatness of the mitzvah, but also how many mitzvahs you did. Uh, you see, why does the Gemara say that from tsara, based on the amount of pain you experienced, which means self-sacrifice. Obviously, doesn't mean little pain. It means how much pain do you have to give up to do this mitzvah? The whole reward of a person today and even then, is according to what. Are you saying in terms of your Siyos Nefesh? You see? That's really what it's all about. These are Chazal. I'm not making them up. As they say, you know, I don't charge tax. I just collect it. You see? I'm just telling you what Chazal say. Uh, But the problem is that you have to understand what Chazal mean. What really is the gut, the bottom line of this? We are in a terrible state of Golis. You see? And it's so bad, we don't even know we're in Golis. That's why there's a double lesson of Hastir. Uh, and Hastir, Hastir, Ponai Beyemahu. I will surely conceal my face on those days, which means that not only will I be gone, you won't even know I'm gone. You don't even know you're in Golos. Uh, that's the Chorban. Really, a person, you don't have to go to the kaisel. I'm not saying you shouldn't. That's not where the Chorban is. The Chorban sit down in your house and says, What have what, happened to me? What's going to become of me? You see, where am I going? You see? How do I get out of this paralysis? That's the Golas. That's the Choban. You see? You need to understand where it's really at. Everybody's making a mistake. They think that the Choban is because you have no Besamigdash. No. The Besamigdash is a symptom. It's one of the manifestations that keep us in Golas. You see? So why go there? I'm not saying you shouldn't. You of course should because maybe over there you'll awaken. You see, and so on, you know, but the real goal is, is self, the self imprisonment, you see, of what's called the clipper, of the Sutton, you see, of all the terrible things <clears throat> that happen to us in the world and all the obstacles we have we have to go through, you see. And there are so many obstacles that we have, you know, unfortunately, you know. Sometimes a guy is married to a spouse, you know, she stops him. Sometimes she's married to a guy, he stops her. You see, or the kids stop you. Or your boss stops you. You see what I'm saying? Or or somebody else stops you. There's always somebody that forces you to declare, I love God, and I don't care what, I'm going to struggle and try as much as possible to get close. Whatever God lets me. How great is that? How great is that? Well, I'm going to give you hope. How great is that movement? I will tell you. There's the original Rebbe, Rabbi Shlomo Rizin. <coughs> says two very uh, incredible statements. It was a very uh, original Rebbe was a, uh, one of the greatest of the Rebbes, uh, and so on. You know, Biyana today in, in uh, Eretz Israel, is a, of course descendant of the original. The original Rebbe said two things, which are incredibly instructive. One, how bad will it be? How bad is the Hester? How bad is the Chusher? Today, It's an interesting question. If we had to measure it, right? Here's what he said. You Remember Elio and on Harakamel? Elio, you know, the Jews were worshipping idols. So finally Elio said, uh, enough is enough. Okay. Let's see. What are you going to declare allegiance to so? so he goes up to Har Kamel with the Baal, the, uh, the uh, what do you call it? The priest of Baal, right? And they both have two different altars, right? And here's going to be the supreme test, right? So the Baal have their animal on their altar, mizbeach. And Elio prepares his animal on his right? And he says, okay, here's the test. And it was a clear sky. If the lightning bolt comes down, there's going to be a lightning bolt out of a clear sky. You can't even pretend there's a cloud, right? If it goes on the Baal, then that is the real truth. And if it goes on my Corban, which is, you know, the uh, carbon of Israel, then that is the truth. What a contest. Could you believe this? out of a clear sty, you know? So what happens? So the Baal guys, they realize, you know, and they, uh, they agree to this test, right? So what are they doing? They're, 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 they're ripping because the their worship was a, they would, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, cut themselves, you know, to show how much they love their God, whatever, and so on, you know? It's not happening. Hours go by and it's just not happening. You know, finally one guy goes under, he figures he's smart, he goes under the altar of Baal, he lights a match and he figures he's going to put the little match and he says, oh, it was a lightning strike, you know. And of course God says, so you know, uh, God says, excuse me, you know. So he sent a snake, a viper, he bit the guy and the guy dropped dead right under the altar. You know, so that was the end of that attempt, right. <clears throat> and of course nothing happened. Then it comes toward the Mincha. Mincha and Elio brings up his prayer. Which of course is an incredible prayer. <clears throat> and so on. Praise, please Rebbe this is it. We're down to the wire and all of a sudden out of nowhere, out of a clear sky, an incredible lightning bolt comes out, devours the animal, uh, devours the altar, and even devours part of the ground, you know, and everybody is stunned because it is an open display of the power of God. And then of course everybody says the famous statement, Hashem Olo Kim, Hashem Olo Kim, which of course we say on Yom Kippur. Now, here's what the Rishna says. That's the story. So here's the Rishna says that in the, listen carefully. It's an unbelievable statement. That in the end of time, if you want to know how dark it's going to be, right? Then just imagine that the lightning bolt didn't come down on Eliyos Corbin. It came down on Baal. And God still expects you to love Him. What? In other words, God is masking with the Rishonim. It's been unbelief. That's how bad the hester is going to be, where it looks like they're right. All the evil people, the immoral people, right? All these people who do terrible things and so on. And imm- 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 immoral doesn't have to mean just immorality. It means the guys who are into pleasure, into money, into power, into covet. They're all successful, right? That they will be successful. That's how bad the darkness is, where it looks like God is totally in their corner. Now how in the world are you going to have any emunah? You see? That's how bad the difficulty is going to be. That's what the Rishna says. Where the lightning bolt comes down on Corbin of Baal, not Elioho. What's the reward for this? For those who hold on, because in the end God says, listen, you know, it's like I'm going to put you to the extreme test to see how much you love me. Who experienced the extreme test? Avraham Avinu, the Akkadis Yitzchak, right? Imagine, he's commanded to kill his kid. And we're talking about Avram Avinu. I mean, then his son was beyond belief. And Avram Avinu has to decide, listen, none of this makes sense. Because God doesn't do this. God doesn't require human sacrifices. You see, this whole thing is irrational because God said that the Jews will go through you. And obviously, if Yitzchak dead, Jews ain't coming through him, right? So the whole thing makes no sense, Right? But I don't care. I love God so much. He says it, I'll do it. So the Akedas Yitzchak is the greatest Messias Nefesh probably that a, t- a tzaddikim of us ever did. If you think about that. Just think about what would it take for you to put your son on the altar and kill him. You wouldn't do it. Right? And so on. Right? Anyway. Mm. So Rabbi Merijin says that the reward of a Jew <laughs> living today in this time, which is the greatest darkness of all the greatest Hester, right, it requires the greatest Messias of Nefshus his reward is equal to to Avram Avinu in the Akedah you can believe what that is? we live off the Akedah on Yom Kippur, Hashanah for two thousand years the merit of the Akedah we still are getting because of what he did so could you imagine the average Jew, right that does this kind of an act in the environment of such total absence of God not only absence of God total uh, uh, victory and, and success of evil He's, he still remains religious or he does a mitra that his reward is as great as the Akkadius Yitzchak it's unbelievable why? really his, his act was simple but in a time when there's nothing and in a time when the lightning strike hits Baal this is what it takes. So anybody who does a mitzvah today, anybody who does tshuva, you see, will experience the reward for everything he does as great as Avraham Avinu with the Akedah, based on what Rabbi Yisrael Merizun, and believe me, he's got credibility. We can believe what he said. Uh, He's one of the greatest of the Hasidic masters, and so on, you see. This then is something you really have to think about very important. Most people, unfortunately, are not aware what tishubov is. Tishubov, of course, it's about the bais amigdosh. That's called the. That's what's called the impetus. You see, the real korban is we. We are paralyzed. We cannot get close to God. We cannot elevate our potential, and every day is another diminishment. You see, and try as, as we can, we somehow, so many times never make it. Why? Because the ultimate test that God wants, and now you understand the secret of Golas, I am going to subject you to darkness. How much do you want to get back to me? You see? It's the ultimate test. And that is the secret, that is the logic of what exile really is. And hopefully the Jewish people, now obviously many Jewish people tragically are gone. Millions of Jews are gone. You see? Uh, But God has a cheshman for them. You know, He will take one guy, you know, the guy's uh, 70 years old. He's married to a shiksa, right? And he's got um, six different kids, all Goyim, right? How's he going to get Habo, right? So one day, you know, one day he's walking and he sees a synagogue. He says, you know, very interesting. I'm going to go in, take a look at it. And he goes in and he sees guys davening really fervently, right? and he sees maybe the Sefer Torah and so on and so forth and all of a sudden he says to himself, you know it could have been very interesting maybe if I had led a religious life and then he walks out never to come back that man has Ullam Haba because the entire life of this person was built around that one Nisoyen that one test would he in some way have a hero chufa? that's it, that's all God wanted and there are people that do that they have a hero tshuva and then they go back to their old ways but in today's time that hero tshuva is so monumental you see that that will get him and we don't know that <coughs> you see we think well the guy's not a tzaddik, he's a rebbe he's a that he gets habo. everybody else is condemned to is to the we have no idea and that's why Rabbi Yeshu Ben Levi or his son they said the following he was able to Go into a trance, project himself, and he was conscious of the upper worlds. And then he came back. You see? So they asked him, what did you see up there? And they, could, they were able to do that. That's called Ruch Kurdish, by the way. Not the one we have today, but the real Ruch Kurdish is where you can uh, subject your consciousness to the upper worlds. And see, talk to Malakam. <coughs> In any case, and they asked him, what did you see up there? And the answer is, he said, it's incredible. It's an oilm Hofechu. It's what's called in Yiddish the world. It's a completely topsy-turvy world. Whoever is great here, up there is the nobody. Not everybody, but you could be a nobody. And here they're all running after you. And up there you're a nobody. And here you're a nobody. And up there all the malachim are running after you. What does that tell you? We can't measure the greatness of anybody. Uh, because we don't know the weight, the value of that person's Nisoyim. We don't know. Only God knows. We do not have the measuring yard to measure. That's what we see. Uh, Therefore, don't give up. You never know. It could be that the next mitzvah you do, you will get Ulam in a way that you cannot even begin to imagine. Uh, So that's the message I leave. Don't despair. It's difficult, that's true. Right? But remember, the main thing is, don't worry. It's ordained that there's going to be an unbelievable there. that's true, but don't give up because we do not know the weight, the value of every mitzvah you do, you see. And look, everybody's here, you didn't have to be here, I'm sure you got other stuff you could have done tonight, right? But you decided to come and stay. We don't know what the value of that. So I guy can say, what's the big deal? I came to a Shia. No. what did you have to give up to come to this Shia? you see? What did you have to give up? You don't know, or you do know, but you don't know it's worth. Uh, Don't make a mistake. We have no idea of the value of what we do. It is unbelievably awesome. And that's really what God wants. He wants a Jew to display his love of God in the incredible darkness. You see, don't abandon me. That's what God says. If you do that, then that is the true way of understanding Tishabov, that is really what it's all about the goals, the paralysis the struggle and so on you know that we all go through you see <coughs> i'll just end with this one idea it says in Aruch you know it says royal cultivation Mayim." in the beginning every every god fearing jew right royal cultivation Mayim." it is proper for every god fearing jew Right, that he should be concerned with the destruction on the Beis of Tzitz says in the So the Kotzka says, and he's going to come out with an incredible concept. He says, wait a minute, what do you mean? Somebody who's God-fearing should worry and be concerned about the destruction of the Temple, and if you're not God-fearing, you shouldn't. Obviously, you should. On the more so. So the Kotzke says, just an incredible idea, his, is what it really says is, every God-fearing Jew has to be concerned about the Besamikdus' destruction, because he can't elevate himself. Somebody who's not God-fearing, he doesn't have to be so much concerned about the destruction of the Temple. He's, a rather, he's got to be concerned about his own destruction. His own Chorben. That's what he's got to be concerned with. It's a classic Kotzkevot, you know, and so on, you see. But in the end, that's what it is. You have to ask yourself who am I? Where am I? What am I doing? Can I improve? And that in itself is the greatest thing you can do on Tishbuv. You see, well let's hope that before Sunday Mashiach is going to come, right? And he's going to take us out of the Golas, you see? And the first thing he's going to do is raise our consciousness because that's got to be raised first, you see? Forget about the Beis HaMikdash. First thing is we have to realize what is happening. We are a fog, so he's going to raise our consciousness. And once he raises our consciousness, of course, then the redemption can actually happen. And I believe it already is happening uh, in terms of what's happening today and so on. We think we're looking at, you know, political events and so on, but you have no idea. All of this is incredible, you know. And I'm and for those who have listened to my videos, you know, from the election of Trump, which is a miracle in itself, right? To the fact of what he's doing to Eretz Israel, the rise Israel is rising amongst the nations of the world which never happened. In fact, there was just a poll uh, in, uh, in the UN that Israel is the tenth uh, greatest economy. It's astounding what they did. What was that? Industrial, Industrial yeah. See, uh, and what does Israel have? Eight and a half million people? It's a joke. Israel has less than one quarter of one percent of the world's population. Right? And, and they're rising and all the nations begin to run after them they want to move their embassies here they want to run after them because they realize hey you got the goods and we want the goods Saudi Arabia uh, you know, you know, Bahrain and so on that's what's really happening you see so the Gula is happening it's in the process take a little more time but we see that it's happening and so on you know so that's what you have to think about the concept of Golas the concept of what a Jew really has to do and why there is a Golas what the real Chobin is if you do that then you cannot believe how lucky you will be when finally the curtain is lifted and everybody sees the truth. Thank you. Thank you. Any questions? Yes. Oh, what, what, uh, okay, one second. Yeah. The what?
0: The
1: That's the meaning of the goal is the darkness, yeah. Isn't there
0: also a concept that, of kaphora meaning that suffering itself pays, the suffering itself is a teacher, even if, if there is no serious
1: nefesh? Yes, yes. But there's two kinds of sufferings there's a suffering which you don't want to come on you, and then there's a suffering which you voluntarily do. Maseiros nefesh is really in the class of a mitzvah because it's what you voluntarily do. See, so it's not the same as suffering, which is imposed on you. You see the difference. In other words, if you struggle, and that's called pain, then that's part of the mitzvah. It's not considered this suffering that you get, which you have nothing, to d- which comes on you involuntarily. See, it's a different type of level. Wait, you. you you mentioned the significance of the fox. Why? Ah, yes. Fox. <laughs> hey, somebody's keeping tabs. You know why? What is the reputation of a fox? Why? A very wise, crafty, right? Creature, right? When that fox went out, right? What it was saying is, you're looking at Hoben, right? But be smart, you're really looking at Tikkun. In other words, what the fox says is, "Be smart. Don't look. Don't think you're looking at what's called a korban. You know, wise up. You're looking at tikon, and that's why it's a fox, to get you to understand what you're really seeing." Interesting. Yeah.
0: yeah. Is there a concept
1: of? The, the I can't hear you. What? The darkness. The darkness yeah. Dark, yes. Very black. Yes. Lighter, right? Yes. Oh, yeah, sure. So we, like the sunburst. Like you said, to, to learn the or something. Yes. Uh, yes. So yes. Correct, that's right. Yeah. yeah
0: I, I was just trying to uh, understand one concept, which you said, of, uh, so Jude never does anything all his life. He he's an assimilator, and he, one time he comes to show. And that, like, what, how do you say he said, that was his t- or, or, or now he, he was able to and achieve Ulam Haba? I don't
1: understand what you, you mean. You have to not make a mistake. And this is the mistake. You need to get into Ulam Haba. Right? You need to avoid Gehennem. Well, actually you need to avoid annihilation. Right? So it's called an entry fee. Then the question is, how much Ulam Haba you'll get? You see, so it could be that guy who was nothing his whole life, that was his entry fee, yeah. but that doesn't mean he's going to get an olam haba like everybody else to do the tzaddikim. But the key is get into olam right. haba, right? That's the key. Well, so that the, yeah. but, but that's what it means. That's the tikum. He got into olam haba. You see, but don't think. Well, hey, that's all I have to do. I mean, I can live a great life, you know, till 80 years old, and I'll just walk into a shul and say, "Wow, maybe I should have done this." No, no, it doesn't work that way, because there's getting into olim Habo and then is what is your olim Habo look like, you know, you know, and so on. You know, that's well, well, don't make that mistake. Anyway,
0: I was saying that because uh in the Midwest. Uh, so I know some. There's a lot of people that yeah, they don't keep shouting to the car and want to go. on for they. They say, oh, did they say Kaddish yet? Are they coming just for
1: that? That's a mitzvah. Yeah,
0: it's a mitzvah. But they think, you know what? I'm yojitza. I mean, I, mean I, 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 I said Kaddish.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what?
0: So, 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 is, Fine. Is, so, isn't it like.
1: That's Kaddish the sutton. Like al- I, I, I want to tell you something. B- but the fact that they went in to say Kaddish, how many people don't go in to say Kaddish? Right? The fact that they went—God knows the weight of every mitzvah. We don't, so He knows exactly what its value is. That's
0: right. he feels that I that uh, it yeah, I know bad, what you mean. Yeah. I really don't have to do
1: anything else the entire year. Fine, that's that. part. I'm, 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 I'm yes, clear. yeah, that's part of his error. However, okay. the fact that he valued kaddish enough, which means to go to a shul. And say Kaddish, which means God is present, that itself has a weight. It has a weight, Sure, of course it has a weight. One point
0: maybe. What was that? I'll, maybe i uh, clarify one point that might help people understand. Yeah, okay. Like the idea of Kaddish, is like separating yourself. But if you feel connected, I, you know, we're talking measure for measure, maybe connecting me. If someone who feels or wants to be connected, it's the tikkun for the, you know, for Kaddish. I mean.
1: Okay, yeah. Anyway, that's why there's a difference. Got to get in. That's your your, your, your task is get into Elam Habo. Right? Once you're in, then they'll figure out how much you get. You know, some guy's gonna walk away with a palace, some guy walk away with a hut. And it all depends. But I want to tell you something. A hut, even if that's what you wind up, that's only a metaphor, is infinitely greater than any palace on this planet, by any emperor you ever saw. Right, right, right. Oh yeah, don't think, I just use these as a, as a comparison. But uh, the, the minimum oilam habab is infinitely greater than anything you could ever do in oilam azir. Uh, and this physical world. Correct. Okay. Can I say that? Yes. If the is what? Can I
0: say that the,
1: the yes.
0: oilam is really pre-designed? Yes. because, But then how can I,
1: how can God? No, it's not that it's pre-designed <laughs> That if, it's the Jews, if the Jews, if the Jews, it's called method B. If the Jews don't do the Mitzvahs and repent, then method B kicks in, and they'll be able to come back that way. So it's pre-designed to be a secondary method, but God, you don't. The Jews didn't have to select that way. There would be no Golem if the Jews would do the Mitzvahs. If there's no sin, no. So, in yeah, it's not preordained. It's pre-designed. There's a difference. Yes. What? I, you need to speak louder. Um, I, I can't even say it as well as you say it, about how the Hebertsheim had a student. Came oh, that guy, yeah. Drunk. Yeah. Okay. He gave it up. Yeah. That's. It. Yeah. You know, I don't you want to go through to the whole story, the story.
0: but I what? Want you to share the story?
1: Share the story. People have patience for a story. It's a short story, but you know, I don't know. What, what, whatever. I, I, I'd rather answer the questions. You know. Yeah. Go ahead.
0: Uh, so we know Rabbi Akiva was a great, great figure. Of yes. Everything he did, Baka the whole thing. And uh, I wonder what's the learning from him uh, questioning uh, Zachariah's prophecy, like if it was if, 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 the way it's presented more. It's like but he was like, you know, I'm not sure if that was going to come true.
1: Well, no, you have to understand what he meant. He says because if the the Jews sin. So if the base of this is not destroyed, there's no remedy. So of course there can't be a redemption. But when I saw that the base of was destroyed, it meant that God put in the injection. And now I know the guy's gonna get cured. That's what he said. In other words, that's why one prophecy is dependent on the other prophecy. You see, there has to be the introduction of a remedy. Then the guy can get cured. So that's what Rabbi Kiva says. Until the base of Middle was destroyed because of the sins, right? Then I didn't know. There's no remedy. So how are they going to get out of this? How are you going to have redemption without a remedy? Or, or with a medicine? Yeah, you know the medicine story, right? Without a medicine I get cured. But when Rabbi Kiva said so therefore when the destruction happened, that was the medicine so therefore I know the redemption will definitely happen. Got it? Wow. Everybody knows everything. It's great. Okay, thank you. I'm giving two more shurim, the greatness of Torah. uh, Young take, you know, and uh, so of course you were invited. Yes, you have a question? I I always know something in Japan. So, uh, do you see uh, uh, common? uh, Who? Common. common, uh, Who's common? I don't understand.
0: commonality.
1: A a commonality, okay, yeah. Uh, It's okay, it doesn't make a difference, okay. Uh, between uh, breaking of and destruction of the eternity. Yes. The, the breaking of the Lucas, right, was the inability of the Mashiach to come. The Luchas Rishonis was, was the Messianic light. When that broke, then the Mashiach, who happened to have been Moshe Rabbeinu, he's Mashiach Ben Yosef, then it was gone. He could no longer be Mashiach. So that's the Messianic light. That's the entire Messiah entry was gone. This, right, right, is the, the, what the, the destruction of this is that you guys are not doing method A, which is to do mitzvahs and tshuva. Therefore, I now have to institute method B, and that'll be your remedy. That'll be your path. You see. So one is messianic, and the other is not messianic, but it's to get to Olam Habo. So on.
0: Whatever. Uh, what I see it is that uh, uh, God cannot tolerate inconsistency of the J- behavior of uh, Jews and uh, what He expects from them. Why He created them. You don't
1: understand? No, no, no. God tolerates everything. That's not the problem. The problem is that we have to live up to a certain code. He tolerates. I want to tell you something. God couldn't tolerate, you know, guess what? After Noach. After the marble, there would be no world, right? But God has infinite patience, A. He has infinite Rahmanis, B. And He knows, you see, He knows everybody's going to sin. But what He does is He designs different paths to the redemption itself. But believe me, He's got a lot of patience. A lot of, far more than you and I. Am I allowed one? No, wait, wait, yeah, you get, uh, yeah. don't remember where was says if it be one
0: side.
1: If what? one <coughs> side, would be one side that would really feel that the Yeah. Yes. would be three on that level. Well, I have to be asking, so what does that really mean? You know, I, I don't know if that's even true. Okay, so you have to really ask, what in the world does that mean? Yeah. Can one man bring the gula because he feels? And you know, that. It must be to do, right? Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. That's Thank much. you,
0: brother. Okay, Mark's in a minute and a half, two minutes. Thank you very much,
1: brother. Oh, wow. Hi. Hi.